a number of months ago, I received something in the mail uh, that normally I wouldn't pay a whole lot of attention to. Uh, you know, occasionally you get things in the mail and uh, it's advertising something or plugging something and it's so easy to kind of push it aside and not give it a second thought. But this particular uh, sermon series really caught my eye. There's an organization called For Charlotte in the Charlotte area that were calling churches around this area uh, to live out the Great Commandment. They were asking a question, what would it look like uh, if we actually took the Great Commandment, the second half of the Great Commandment, seriously to love our neighbors well? And when I began to think about that and pray about it and look through uh, this sermon series, there is uh, one individual that immediately came to mind because I think it's someone uh, who lives this out well. Uh, John Crant has been a part of this church uh, before I was, uh, and there's not many people that uh, can say that. He's a dear friend of mine, and I'm excited uh, to hear from him this morning as he helps us think together about loving our neighbors well. Why don't you give John a round of applause? I told Ben that I could probably just talk up here because I have an extremely loud voice, but he didn't let me do that, so I'm going to stand up here. Uh, I'm going to try to stay away from the reverb that happened from James. James, hopefully I can avoid that. Uh, so, like James said, I, I feel like when James asked me to do this, it was, it's a good fit for us. I, I feel like over the last 20, I didn't know I've been married like 21 years, um, it's been a, a big part of our lives. Like, how do we intentionally move into our neighbors. I would say it started probably uh, not long after we got married, maybe five or ten years after we got married, and we had these like elderly neighbors that lived next to us, and like how do we help them? And, and, and then it, like we moved, as we moved neighborhoods, it just was natural, like we have little kids, and like that's our, that's our community. I think though, as I've kind of dug into this, it's become clear to me like this is something that God's calling me, me to more, and I think, I hope to you more as well. About four or five weeks ago, we did a dinner with the Civics. Many of you guys know the Civics. They, they moved to the surface of the sun, or Phoenix. Uh, they had been here 10 years. I remember the time I first met David uh, at this church, actually, at Highland Creek Elementary many, many, many years ago. And, and we just developed a friendship. And so they, they are moving their families to Phoenix or their family to Phoenix. And we wanted to send them off well. And so many of you were actually at my house. We set out some tables. We, we had some lights. We had kids running around and far more people than what we knew what to do with that came into our home. And, and we had dinner and we had fellowship and we shared a meal and we talked about the old times. We talked about when we first met. We talked about the games of golf we played with. We talked about our families when Noah threw a, like a Barbie phone at Addie and like, or yeah, Addie and like bloodied her up. We talked about cool things that were like fun, right? We shared fellowship and there was a bunch of you there that were doing that. Fast forward like maybe two or three weeks later, October 4th was Heidi's birthday youth event. What else would you do on your wife's birthday? She said, uh, like, I couldn't imagine anything more than what I'd want to do at this stage of our lives and have 25 teenagers in our home on our birthday. As a side note, March 19th, we will not be having a youth event at our house. But I was impressed by her by doing that. But anyway, it was a ton of fun, man. Like Phil came in, he had like 19 pizzas. Uh, families are coming in, moms and dads are dropping off their kids. They're running up and down, there's games being played. 
we had a ton of fellowship. We shared with each other. We grew relationships. We grew like each other all over a meal. And I, as around the time of the civics, I started to think like, man, it's kind of weird. We, we have a lot of people that our neighbors don't know. We have a lot of them like driving our driveway and walk up our, to our front door and knock on our side door or our front door and come in. And I, and I think about like all the time that we were doing that, even just in those two get-togethers, our neighbors are, are just watching. Like I don't know if they were alone or if they're with people. I know some of them. I, I, I think of Jackie, who's like a single grandmother who's kind of in her house by herself. I think of Paul and Kathy, whose like, dining room table literally overlooks my driveway where all these teenagers are walking up and, and moms and dads are walking up. I think of like Marianne and John down the road who are an elderly couple that are kind of dealing with some health-related issues. And I think, like, what's it like for them? They're watching this community take place, and yet we're, we're not really doing a great job in community with them. And it's been something that's really been convicting me for a while. And so when I opened up what we were going to talk about, we're in the third week of this three-week series that James kind of is walking us through called the art of neighboring, I thought, like, this is, this is real. This is something God's, frankly, calling me to. And so I've been very, very excited about what it would do. What would it look like if this group of churches, there's like 100 or so in Charlotte, what would it look like if these 100 churches, if all of us, so I don't know how many people are in here, call it 40 or 50 or 60 or whatever the number is, what if we all, like, took this seriously and walked out the front door and like next door and to the left and to the right and said, hey, I'm John. I just want to get to know you. Not like, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus, but what would it look like if we just engage? And so a few weeks back, James kind of brought out the little, the little map of your block, right? And so a couple of weeks ago, we were scheduled to like fill out this block of who are your neighbors, like just so you know them. Last week, Billy talked about prayerfully walking around the neighborhood on your streets and in your front yard, and really trying to engage with the people that are in front of you. It's a God thing that this needs to happen, but it needs to happen. And so before I kind of dive in, I, I want to pray, and I want to ask God to kind of be involved. I, I really am, I'm really asking that God uh, convicts you and me that we take this seriously, uh, because I think if a hundred churches, let's just say it's a hundred, and it's more, but if a hundred churches with a hundred people in it took this seriously, I think the change that could happen in our, in our city could be significant, and I think the change that could happen in the nation could too. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you, I thank you for our neighbors. They're, uh, we may not share the same values or the same morals or the same behaviors or the same jobs or families or patterns in our lives, God, but you put us in the middle of our streets, each one of us. For a reason. I'm thankful that you've given us people that live across the street and to the right and to the left and down the road. That God, they, they need you as much as I need you, as much as we need you. God, I pray that you help us to do this well. I pray that today you'll get me out of the way and that you'll be involved in what we're doing here. And you'll share through me the things that you want people to hear this morning. And I pray that we walk out a stronger, um, a stronger uh, witness for you, God in the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as I said, as, ever since James kind of asked me to preach, I've really been kind of convicted about this. And, and since the civics, I have in this mind 
in my mind, this kind of thing that I want to do. I want to set up, like, I have a long driveway. It's kind of a single file, like, like this whole, this little aisle here. And it goes all the way back to the back of my house. And I want to set out, like, eight tables, and I want to invite the neighbors over, and I want to put four uh, pork butts in my smoker, and I want to smoke pork, and I want to have that, like, smell wafting through the neighborhood. This is, this is my ideal dream here. Um, and I want that to be out in the neighborhood, and then I want to, like, make this pioneer woman jalapeno slaw, which is wicked good, by the way. Uh, I want to make my mom's barbecue, uh, uh, barbecue sauce, which is also wicked good. And I want to set out a table. I want to reach out to my neighbors, and I want to say, like, hey, I want to have you over. I want to talk about life. I want to feed you, bring a side, bring a drink, whatever you want to do. In my head, it looks a little something like this. Uh, I think this is like Joanna and Chip. Uh, it won't look like that for the record. I would like for it to. But that's what's in my head. And, and so as I've gone through this, I've really thought, like, why am I not doing this? It's only in my head right now. I've thought about this for four, five, six weeks, and I've not done anything about it. And so I'm, I'm thankful that we're going through this series right now because I think it's calling me. My hope and my prayer is it's calling you to go move. Like, move into your, level, into your neighbor's lives. Move into what they're doing. Two weeks ago, James kind of challenged us to fill out that block sheet. Did you do it? Did you walk around and, like, meet a few people? Did you map out? Like, maybe you could look on MLS or if you're a realtor, I guess, or, or any kind of realtor kind of stuff. Did you, did, you map your, did you map your neighborhood? If you didn't, you should. Did you go walk around your neighborhood prayerfully and kind of think through, like, ask God to open some doors for you to talk to your neighbors? I, I think we need to do that. I want to share my last few weeks with you because I, I feel like God kind of like banged me up against the head when I opened up the text of what we were going to be teaching about. And so two weeks ago, I hit, uh, James kind of said, map your block, right? We know a few of our neighbors. We've been there seven, seven or eight years. We know a few of them. But I walked out that night, Sunday night, two weeks ago, and, and two of my neighbors were walking their dog. One was walking their dog. One was taking their trash out too. And I said, hey, how you guys doing? They're fine. Would you guys want to come over for dinner? Would you guys want to have a dinner here in a couple of weeks? And I just said, let's, let's do it. So I put it out there, and they're like, yeah, that sounds fine. You know, it wasn't like anything massive, but they just said, sure, let's do that. And so this week, we sent an email to the neighborhood, and we said, we're going to have dinner. We're going to smoke four butts. We're going to make slaw. We're going to make barbecue sauce, and we'd love to have you over. And believe it or not, people said yes. I don't know how many people are going to come. Maybe it's like 50% or 40% or 10%. It doesn't really matter the number that are going to come. I think I was encouraged because, A, I was, I was in the middle of this conviction of where God's calling us to our neighbors. B, James got up and talked about it. C, God opened a door when I went and take trash out. D, I walked through it, praise the Lord. And, and E, I guess we're now all the way at E, um, they said yes. And so it's in two weeks. No, it's in a week. It's next Sunday night. We're going to have this, this, this thing. And so Today, I want to talk a little bit about what that looks tangibly. I want to talk about, like, is this an option for you? Maybe it is, maybe it's not. I want to talk about, like, how we do it as well. Um, I, and I'm going to issue a challenge at the end of this, so I want you to be prepared for that as well. So I'm praying we're convicted by this, and I'm praying that um, these churches... So I talked to a friend in Nashville. My mom was riding in an Uber in Dallas, coming here, and they talked about this sermon series to her Uber driver 
in Dallas. So this is happening beyond Charlotte. This is not just Charlotte. And, and I am encouraged by what if God really is going to enable the church or, or move the church to actually take loving your neighbor as yourself as an actual calling for your actual neighbor? What would it look like? And so I want to go through it a little bit today. I want to issue a challenge to you today. So at the end of this, I want, to, I want you to know, like, if you want to leave right now, we're going to ask you to, like, engage with your neighbors. And then we're going to ask you to, like, tell us about it a little bit, too. So we'll go through that in a minute. I want to first ask the question, is this an option? So is this only reserved for like super extroverted people that like want to engage with people and like high five with people? I, by the way, I'm a little bit of an extrovert. I don't know if you know that. So it's probably a little bit naturally easier for me to do this. I get that. But I do want to ask the question, is this an option? Because I feel like there's a thousand things that God's calling us to do. He's calling us to like move into each other's lives, calling move into kids' lives, wives' lives. Like you got a lot of stuff going on, right? But is it an option to, to move into the people that are around your physical neighborhood? And so there's a passage in Galatians, in Galatians 5, that Paul says, like, loving your neighbor as yourself is the actual fulfillment of the law. There's one commandment that fulfills the law. That is it. But in 1 Peter, it says, 1 Peter 4, 9, and 10 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So I want to look at verse 10. It says, as each. Each and every one has gifts that God has given you, and each of you is called to love your neighbor. And so I would like to suggest that this is not optional for any of us. We all need to be intentional about how do we engage, yes, with one another, but how do we engage outside of our front door as well? I believe that God's really calling us to love our neighbor as ourselves, our actual physical neighbor. And this passage says you have the gifting to do that. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or you love having people at your house or you don't. Or whether your house is big or whether your house is small or whether you live in a great neighborhood or a bad neighborhood, God's calling you to move into your neighbor's life. Period. I don't think it's an option. And so if we're going to kind of work with that, I want to I read a, a quote from a, a book that I read uh, called the, Gos the Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's by Rosaria Butterfield. She was a Syracuse um, like professor, and she went to go interview these pastors to actually write a book about anti-Christianity, and she became a believer in the middle of that. Um, but I want to read this. Because of the blood of Christ, because of the blood of Christ, I want to be clear on that, this is not because of you. This is because of the blood of Christ, because Jesus dined with sinners but did not sin with sinners, because repentance is the threshold to God. Table fellowship is both comforting and challenging. It meets you where you are and asks you to die so that you can live. Practicing hospitality in our post-Christian world means that you develop thick skin. The hospital, hospitable meet people as strangers and invite them to become neighbors and by God's grace, many, of you, many will go on to become part of the family of God. This transition from stranger to neighbor to family does not happen naturally, but only with intent and grit and sacrifice and God's blessing. So that last sentence, intent and grit and sacrifice, this, is, this kind of says it's not going to be easy. This is not an easy thing for us to do. 
but God's blessings in the middle of it, and God's calling you to do that. And if you go back to First Peter, He's given you the gifts to do it. And so this is, this is not going to be an easy thing for us to do, but I feel like God will be in the middle of it. If you have your Bibles with me, turn to Luke 7. I, the, it'll be on the screen as well. As you may or may not know, Jesus kind of liked to hang out with some sketchy people. If I read my Bible right, he, in many cases, he's hanging out with kind of people that are on the fringe edges. They're sinners, right? So he gets invited to a house. I'll set up the scene a little bit. Uh, Pharisee, he invites Jesus to dinner. It's a banquet. He invites a bunch of his friends, and they're going to all hang out together, right? And so I want to set it up a little bit in that it's the Pharisee's house, but it's not inside of his home. It's out in kind of the courtyard area of the home. So let me, let me read, and I'll kind of explain in a minute. Uh, verse 37 says, And behold, a woman of the city who is a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. So again, Jesus is at this Pharisee's house. It's at kind of this banquet, this courtyard area. And so if you think about kind of the way that parties went down way back in the day, there's kind of like the inner courtyard and the outer courtyard. The inner courtyard, think of it as like inside your house. The outer courtyard's like your driveway, your porch, and all those things, right? So they're hanging out there, and there's a woman who comes in. She's a sinner. In that day and age, and in the text, it, it actually means she's a prostitute. And so they're at this like dinner with a pastor in Jesus, who's a known prophet, and they're having dinner, and a prostitute comes in. And she begins to wipe Jesus' feet. This is, it's not totally unheard of that she would walk in because it's in this outer area. And so people outside of the area could listen in, they could participate, they could, they could maybe even come in for some leftovers at some point. It's not, she's not a total stranger in that mix, but she's certainly not invited. And certainly in the context of who's in that room, she's probably not very welcome either. This, <clears throat> this is the stuff the Pharisees have like been dreaming of. Like, they're sitting with Jesus, and, and Jesus has a prostitute wiping her, his feet with oil and tears. And given her occupation, it was a little bit scandalous. I want to pick up in verse 39. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man, is that me, Ben? I'll move back and move this. And as Jesus saying to uh, had it, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him, it says, Pharisee who had invited him said to himself, and Jesus reads his mind and says to him back, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owned 500 denarii, the other 50, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them would he love more? Simon answers, well, the one I suppose for who he canceled the larger debt. I don't think he really wanted to answer that question, by the way. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. And then turning to the woman, he says, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did, anoint, you did not anoint my head with oil, 
but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. For he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then, <clears throat> then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even can forgive sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So Jesus knows the Pharisees are watching, and he chooses to do two things. The first thing he does is he says, Simon, well, he reads Simon's mind, and says, let me ask you a question. Like, forgiven a little, forgiven, forgiven a little, forgiven a lot, depending on where you're sitting. Who's going to love me more? Who's going to love it more? Well, forgiven a lot. This woman was a sinner. She was a prostitute. She had tons and tons and tons of sin. The Pharisee's a pastor, right? Probably doesn't think he has that many sins. So he's calling him out. And then he says something that I think is very, very key. Do you see this woman? So Simon the Pharisee had seen her. He saw her come in, I would imagine, saw her wipe Jesus' feet. But I don't think that Simon saw her. And it makes me wonder, do we see the people around us? I don't know that I see the people. I want to see the people around me the way that Jesus sees them. But I'm not sure I do. I, a lot of times I'll see them for who they are or their sin that I've heard about or whatever it may be. But are we seeing the people that are around us? When I think about neighbors, neighbors can be a little sketch sometimes. We have a number of different um, challenges in our neighborhood, and I'll leave it at that. And I think sometimes I think of the challenges in our neighborhood more than I think about the people in our neighborhood. And I don't, I don't think that's what God is calling us to do. I think he's calling us to see the people that live in front of us because the people that live in front of you are all carrying burdens in the same way that you are and in the same way, frankly, this prostitute is. She's carrying, she knows that the way she's operating and things that are going on are not the way God intended them to be. And I know that you guys have that as well. He goes on to say, Woman, you are forgiven. Your faith has forgiven you. And I think that only Jesus can forgive. We're all made in the image of God. Every one of us. She is too. And I think that God had the ability to see what she really needed at that moment in time and forgive her. Forgive her. So I want to take it out from neighbor and I want to bring it into you. Are there things you're carrying around on a regular basis or that I'm carrying around on a regular basis that we know are not like the way God intended them to be? I think that I want to act and I want to be like this woman who falls at the feet of Jesus. She heard Jesus was at a house and like ran to him and brought, her, brought everything at his feet. I'm not sure I'm there. I want to be there personally. I want to be there, I want to be there personally so that I can be there for my neighbors as well. And so I would ask you today, as we kind of go through our lives, when anxiety and depression and and sin, and addiction, and all the things that are commonplace in today's society, if you're dealing with some of that, what is your reaction? Is your reaction to go inward, like shut your door, or is your reaction to go, like fall at the feet of Jesus? There's another quote in this, um, in the book, the gospel comes with a house key, and I want to, I'll read it real quick. Jesus dines with sinners, not because sin is not a big deal, 
Jesus dines with sinners not because he expects us to go on sinning. Jesus dines with sinners not because he knows that some of us are just more prone to certain sins than others, and he gives us a free pass whenever our inclination, inclinations lead us into sin. Jesus dines with sinners not because the Roman government made certain sin to a protected class of citizenship. The laws of the land do not nullify the laws of God. Jesus dines with sinners so that he can get close enough to touch us so that he can participate in the intimacy of table fellowship as a healer and a helper. And Jesus comes to change us, to transform us, so that after we have dined with Jesus, we want Jesus more than the sin that beckons our fidelity. I want to read that last, last line again. So that after we have dined with Jesus... We want Jesus more than the sin that beckons our fidelity. As followers of Christ, when we dine with Jesus, Jesus is there with us. As followers of Christ, when we invite our neighbors in with us, Jesus is at the table with us. And he's calling us to lay our sin and our burden on there to where when, when we and our neighbors get Jesus we want Jesus far more than the sin that we're living in. It's really, really important for me to remember God is calling us to table fellowship, to eating meals with our neighbors for the purpose of them meeting Jesus. And the burdens that he can take off of them are unbelievable. So it's not optional. Caring for our, our neighbors is a God thing. It's not a you thing. And when you, when you have this party, when you have a table fellowship and you have dinner with your neighbors, God's going to show up. So let's leave one last passage. Uh, Luke 5.27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors, sinners, and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." So guys, Jesus will show up even at parties that aren't filled with Christians. The thing I think I'm most convicted about is I have a lot of Christian parties, man. And, and like, I, while that's really good, I get encouraged by that. I feel like if I am intentional about moving into, the, into my neighbors, or frankly, all the people around me, but my neighbors specifically, I want, it, I want them to experience you. I want them to experience God at work in the people of God. And if I can do that, I, I really believe Jesus is like the most compelling and like sexy thing out there, man. When you are living out for the Lord, it is something people want. You have to do it though. And you've got to get people that aren't involved in the church and you've got to get people that are involved across the street that you run into every single day. Okay, so uh, I want to give you one, well, before I do this, I want to give you one word of caution. Um, I would say, don't do this, don't move into your neighbor's lives for the purpose of saving them. Don't do it for the reason to, like, share the gospel with them. 
Don't do it for, to convert them or to convince them to follow Jesus. Do it because you care about them. Invite them to dinner to have dinner with them. Learn about who they are. And over time, God will open up doors for you to be able to share the gospel. Frankly, if you never share the gospel, just the hands and feet of Jesus, you people at work, are going to rub off on your neighbors. But get to know your neighbors, not because you have an agenda to like convert them. Get to know your neighbors because you love them the way God is calling you to love your neighbors. I think it's an important, it's an important note. And I think, frankly, a lot of times I think like, oh, I, that's tough. I want to I like, my first question, like, where do you go to church? What you, how do you believe, you know, what's your faith? All those things. I think it's important to establish real relationship for the purpose of establishing real relationship and loving your neighbor. So remember that when you do this. And last thing before I go to the challenge, I want to give you an example of the impact of this. Uh, I didn't, I, I thought about this a few times, but I want to give you the other side of it. So my mom's here. She lives in Texas. I still to this day can't figure out why she moved away from us, um, though we moved away from her 20 years ago. Uh, about 10 years ago, my dad died, or a little over that, 13. She moved into this little neighborhood after my dad died. And by the grace of God, uh, God has placed a neighbor that is caring for my mother in the way that we're talking about this morning. He's, he loves her. His family loves her. They call her all the time. They bring her cookies. They make meals for her. They bring her over to their house. She's known their kids since they were born. And they are intentional about engaging with my mom. And it's made me be convicted in the way that I'm not intentional engaging with my neighbors. I want to be like Russ. I want to be like the guy who cares for my mom. When I'm a thousand miles away and something goes wrong, I know Russ will be there. Which, which begs the question, like, this impact is huge. If you walk out your door and go engage with your person across the street, the impact to them may be way more than you think it would be. Like, Russ probably has no idea how, how fortunate and how blessed I feel and how I, how I just love him for the way he's loving my mom. That's an impact that Jesus is making beyond just walking across the street and dealing with your neighbors. So here's the challenge. Uh, and we would like for you to take it seriously. We want you to engage with your actual physical neighbors. We want you, if you made the block, if you walked your street and prayed about it, maybe those are a few people that you met that you can do this with. But we're saying in the next four to six weeks, we want you to invite four-ish couples or two families into your home. Some of you may like have just gotten chills up the back of your neck. Some of you may be like, I already do that. I hope you're all already saying you already do that. But we want you to be intentional about this. We don't want you to have an agenda. We want you to love your neighbor. So we, we, we've kind of been building this. Three weeks, we had ways to map and then, and then like meet, right? So, so now it's the next step of how do you go engage in fellowship? So what we're doing in a couple of weeks is a block party. We're not doing like a, this intimate of a dinner. We'll, we will do this intimate of a dinner. But, but we're not doing that intimate of a dinner. We're, we're saying four-ish couples, so ten-ish people is what our thoughts are. Except for the Lejeunes. They have like 10 on their own. So they got to get like a little above that. Um, 
go invite people to your home. Choose four couples or two families to invite that in. And so we realize that that's not easy. There's a fear factor going on there, whether it's fear of internal or external, your own stuff or your neighbor's stuff. And so I know that this is most of the time a family kind of thing. This is not a, I mean, the men are probably going to do a role, but, but it's going to be a role together with your wife or your spouse. And so, so we represent both sides of the equation. I'm going to ask two people to come up. I don't see Emily yet. Hopefully she's around. Uh, oh, no, she's right there. Look at that. Uh, I'm going to ask Emily and Heidi to come up. Heidi's my wife, and Emily Haynes is Seth Haynes' wives, and I think they've modeled this very well. I think that's on. Will you check that? Is it on? It's on. I think it is. So I don't want to go without, like, the, the fact, this is not an easy thing to do. Like, I can throw that out all day long, and you can be like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I want to make sure that... Um, we address as many of the challenges that you have around this as we can. So one challenge, I think, is like I'm an introvert. We talked about that a minute ago. I'm an introvert. I don't want to do this. Like it's made for people that are extroverts. This is what God's calling them to do. Uh, I would ask you to raise your hand if you're an introvert, but you're an introvert, so you won't. <laughs> so uh, allegedly, uh, Emily, I would say that you might consider yourself an introvert. Would you agree with that statement before I go? Yes. Okay, so what I would want to know is, I, I want you to kind of share, how do you deal with that? So you, you don't naturally like want to move out. You don't naturally want to meet people. But you told me a story earlier this week that I was like, man, that, like, that's what we want. That's what we want to do. We want to engage into our neighbor's lives. So tell me a little bit about that and, and tell me about how you feel in the middle of that too. So when we first moved into our house, we had neighbors, I think it was that very first Halloween, through a block party. Um, we thought it was normal that they always did that, and we went, and that was the first time we really met a lot of our neighbors. Those neighbors moved away, and it never happened again. Fast forward a decade, um, I was in the cul-de-sac, we were playing, we had a neighbor, they had kids same age as ours, and we were just talking, and she is an extrovert. She's very much a Heidi kind of person. Um, and I was telling her about, hey, this thing we did a long time ago, we actually met our neighbors and hung out. And so she was, okay, let's do it. Like, she was ready to do it that night. So first rule, I would say, pair up with someone who does like to do that stuff Amen. to give you like confidence. Um, but so we, we brought it back. And so we do a potluck dinner on Halloween every year and we cook chili and we cook hot dogs and that's one of the few nights a year where neighbors think it's acceptable to talk to each other and to leave their house <laughs> and to not just pull in the driveway and close the garage door and go Amen. in it's it's a natural night where people come and stand outside and so we started doing that um, I can't take credit for it it's not something that we thought of we just brought it back and it's it's really sweet because this year we can't we can't go uh we're gonna we're gonna be out of town but our friend our neighbors are doing it i offered to make chili or hot dog or something ahead of time and they're like no we got it covered like we got it covered yeah, so it's cool. people crave community and it's 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 a no pressure kind of night 
because, I mean, it's just happening. So it's do just you, hanging around. Do you, would you say the other introverts in your neighborhood actually showed up too? Um, a, a lot of them do. Some of them walk out, have a bowl of chili, and then yeah. back it up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then a lot, several times we've had the kids go and do their trick-or-treating, and then all of a sudden the guys will pull out the bonfire and sit in the cul-de-sac and talk. And they're the ones you wouldn't expect to sit out and talk. Stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's nothing groundbreaking that we're doing, but every connection makes the next connection easier. Yeah, and I, th I think that's a good point in that th th just the asking alone will get people to actually respond and be yeah. a part of it. Like, people want this, they just may not, may not seek this. But if they're asked yeah. to do something, I think they'll engage. And, and we, we hedged the first year me and the other family, we literally invited other people. I think we had the Metzgers over, um, and they invited other people, so we padded it. Yeah. <laughs> so if nobody showed up, uh, we wouldn't have eight pots of chili to eat on our own. Um, but yeah, it ended right. up, people, people showed up. Good. So this is one that you move out from a block party into your home. And, yes. and so and I, I struggle this a little bit as well. Maybe both of you guys can can speak to this, but I would imagine if you're like me and maybe Heidi, um, sometimes you don't feel like your house is up to par. Whether it's dirty, messy, not clean, don't want to do it, not set up for not set up for guests, whatever it may be. Like, talk a little bit about that, if you can, both of you, if you don't mind. Like, how do you overcome the fear of having people in your home if it's not up to the par of what you see in Chip and Joanna Gaines kind of stuff? <laughs> HGTV version. All right. um, I'll speak first because your house is lovely and set up for community, and mine is not. You should come in when people aren't there. <laughs> we have a 20-plus-year-old house with the original builder-grade white carpet. It's horrible. Um, it's straight from the 90s, and it's still that way because we've had young kids, and you don't put money into Amen. that. Uh-uh. No. Amen. Um, my sister-in-law passed on some very wise wisdom for me years ago, and I have to constantly remind myself of it, but the, the ministry of mediocrity. Mm. Nobody's perfect, no one's house is perfect, so don't pretend like it's supposed to be. Mm. Invite people over when there are still dishes in the sink. I'm not saying don't clean your house, because you should, you should make it inviting, it should be warm, but that can't be a barrier. Like, Amen. My carpet's stained and ugly. We still have, occasionally, people over. Not, they're usually pretty good friends by then, but they should, it, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Show Heidi, people you're you not perfect and that's okay. Well, I would, I would agree with that. And um, I didn't get to preview the slides before John um, preached. We are not gonna have a block party that looked like that slide. <laughs> I would just like to be clear. And I think that that's actually really important, is that if you have a picture in your mind of having people over to your house when it looks like whatever picture you've, you've imagined, you, that's not going to happen. Because people want to come into your home and they want to feel cared for and they want to feel valued and they want to feel important. So if someone's going to come to my home um, I'm going to clean it. I'm not going to lie. I'm probably not going to have you over my house if it's a disaster. But cleaning might look like taking everything in a laundry bin and putting it in the front room where the dog lives. I mean, it will definitely look like that. So I'm going to have my house clean. But at the same time, um, that, 
having a barrier because you're afraid things aren't up to par is, uh, I think people feel welcome in your home when they know that their neighbor, when I know that my neighbor is just like me, she's not perfect, she's kind of a mess, but she still wants me in my house. I think the goal to um, neighboring and to hospitality is to say to somebody, you're important, I care about you way more than I care about my house. And I care about you more than I care about the pile of kids' toys. And um, as a guest, doesn't it always make you feel a little bit more comfortable when you walk into someone's home that is lived in? Um, because it just makes you feel like, like you're just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would say this has been a point of uh, discussion in our marriage over time when I go to other people's houses and it's perfect. Uh, we may or may not have had some dialogue on our marriage side on we this. We have. Uh, I think I'm fully subscribed to the fact that uh, I like the term ministry of mediocrity. I think you need to be real with, with the people. And I think that's when, when you uh, rub off with others. The other quote of our oh, marriage. Gosh. Sorry. He gave me the microphone. Ben, has yeah. always been, John, just lower your standards. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, that's a little bit how I feel about hospitality is uh, lower your standards. It doesn't have to be up here. So this is the biggest one, I think, and to me, and Billy talked about it a little bit yesterday, but let's talk about time. So you, we have teenagers, our kids are 17, 15, 13, uh, 8 and 6, uh, 8 and 6 is uh, Emily's kids. Let's talk about time, because time is tough, and we all are managing various schedules. We work. Well, I know you guys both work. Heidi and I both work. Uh, we got kid activities. We got stuff going all over the place. How do you manage your time? How do you do intentional things with your neighbors while you're managing schedules of your family? I mean, there will never be a weekend that we just go, gosh, this is super easy. We have nothing going on. I I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Empty nesters, if you know, just let me know. But um, I feel like that's not ever going to happen. And so we have to look at our calendar, which is what we did for this party, or really anything. We have to say, this is a value in our family, just like um, a volleyball game is a valuable value in our family or a play that the kids are doing. Those are values in our family. We have to say, this is a value in our family. Let's look at the calendar and find one day that we can do. And then just put it on the calendar and call a person and say, this is what we're going to do. And I mean, I just think you have to make it a value and um, value gets your time. I, I do. Um, when we were chatting the other day, I don't think I was, I've ever intentionally done this, but something that's worked for us is I try to work community into what we already have going on. Mm. Um, I started taking home a kid from school because I'm already in pickup line. And we've gotten to get really involved and connected with that family because I just picked the kid up from school. So that's not anything extra. It adds 90 seconds onto my drive home. Um, but now I can have an in with talking yeah. to that mom that needs a friend sometimes. And yeah. we've had some great conversations. We did soccer shots. We get there and we realized that we got ourselves on a team and there were three families from our street on our team. So I got to stand for an hour every week for 10 weeks and talk to my neighbors. Praise God. Um, we do summer camps. We live in Highland Creek, so it's easy to do this, but we do the Highland Creek summer camps, so we get to meet our neighbors. Jessica does, they do swim team. She's met half of Highland Creek because of swim team. But being intentional about staying close to home with our 
activities means we're close to neighbors with our activities. Yeah, which is a good point too. All of you guys have, well, many of you have kids and, and many of you have kids that are in activities still in their lives. And I would just say be intentional about the people that are standing there watching their kid play. They're actually people and be more concerned about the people standing next to you than, than well, maybe not kid. than your own kid. But well, yeah, more than your own kid because they're playing a game and no offense, they're probably not gonna go pro doing that. Hopefully they do. Uh, Okay, we're running short on time, so I'm going to give, I want one more thing and then I'm going to close. Uh, this, we just asked people to have 10 people at their house. Give me your best 20-minute recipe quickly, like what are you going to make in 20 minutes or less to put it on the table and put it in front of someone? It's cheap too. Yeah. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Oh, yeah. You brown a bunch of meat, you put in jarred sauce, you let it simmer for 20 minutes while the pasta's going, bag salad, pre-made bread, you're good. Need to be vegetarian? Leave the meat. Needs to be gluten-free, whole 30? Pick the right jar of sauce, make it zucchini noodles. Skip the bread. It's, it's my I mom's like go-to. Can't like go that. wrong with spaghetti. Well, I think, like you said, or like we were saying, it's about people and it's not about the food. And if that's stressing you out, um, you can always go to, uh, you can order out, you can always go to Walmart and get um, a pre-made lasagna, and you can actually cut it out of the box and stick it in your own casserole dish. I don't know anyone who's ever done that, but I you can do that. It's not. I don't endorse um, that. The other, th my go-to is just a grill. Yeah. I mean, anything that goes on a grill. Also, P.S., that means He's cooking it. And so I just prep some meat and some vegetables and we throw it on a grill um, if it's good weather and um, there's not a lot of prep. It's, it's really just about people and it's about saying, I think you're valuable. And, and it's yeah. okay if you flop the meal. You can just order pizza. Thanks. Um, so I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna close on a couple things. The last one I would say that we're not gonna talk about is money. So I don't know each of your finances and I don't know where you do that, but I can tell you I, I truly believe that every ounce, every red cent that you own is God's. Uh, it's not 10%. It's not like 20%. It's not like 50-50 split with God. Every red cent is God's. That being said, we know there's budget constraints. We just had hit with like two cars that needed major work in the month of October, and we were like, there goes our budget. Um, so we, we, at, we at Christ Point want to help you do this, and we want to take this seriously. So we we asked the elders earlier this week uh, if we could do something to enable you to do this and hopefully guilt you into it in some ways. Um, when you walk out, you're going to pick up an envelope. And in that envelope, there's going to be two things. One, it's going to have recipes. So it's got two recipes, one on the grill, one's a casserole. You can throw down spaghetti. You can throw down frozen lasagna in your own pan, which is lying. Uh, one of the two. Uh, so there's four recipes that you can throw down. Uh, two of which will be in the printout in your envelope when you walk out. So if you don't want to cook, I, I really don't blame you. I don't want to cook either. There's four easy things that you can do to get there. The second thing, there's a, there's a gift card in there to Harris Teeter. So the elders approved. Everybody gets a $25 gift card to go fund a meal with your neighbors. It may not fund all of it. It definitely could, depending on what you cook, or it may fund a portion of it. If you don't feel like you need it and want to leave it with the church and say give it to somebody who needs it more, that's fine too. But know that you have it and it's available to you. And we're asking you to take this calling seriously. I really believe that if this community in Charlotte takes this calling seriously, Charlotte's going to change. 
and hearts are going to change, and people are going to come and meet the Lord. Minimally, they're going to see His people at work. And that's a good thing, man. And so I, I would ask you to take this seriously. If you have anything, and by the way, four to six weeks, Halloween's a good one, Thanksgiving's a good one, any Saturday, any Sunday. You got football, both of those, put a TV on, bring people over. Like, those are all good, four things. You got like 42 times to do that between now and the next six weeks, uh, roughly, with all the games that are on. So we would ask you to take it seriously, and we want you to do it. If you need any help from us, all you have to do is ask. We're, we will help you in whatever way we can. We want to equip and enable you to do that, and we want to take this seriously. So let me pray, and then the band can come back up. Sorry I ran long a little bit, guys. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the people that you've given us and our neighbors. Thank you for the people in this room, frankly, God, the way that they, um, they witness to the people around them, myself included, and I'm thankful for what you're doing in their lives. God, I pray over the next four to six weeks that um, roughly like 500 people, based on the 50-ish people that are in here, are impacted in a way for the glory of God. I, I pray that they are introduced to the hands and feet of Jesus and have relationships with you in a way, God, that they haven't had before. I pray that you help us care for people well. God, thank you for the things that you are doing with this body and in your church, Father. Thank you for our neighborhoods. I uh, thank you for this band in Jesus' name. Amen.